Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Plant, your weekly podcast where we deep dive into a specific vegetable and we talk about the history, nutrition, medicinal uses, planting them, growing them, planting and growing is the same thing, storing and ultimately how to eat these different vegetables. Uh, I'm Simon Hall. And I'm Tim Ackerman. And we will be looking at beetroots this week. Beetroots, mate. This is, uh, this is an exciting one. It is very exciting. And it's a little different this week as well because we're both in isolation doing this over a Skype call for this podcast. Yeah, it's our first ISO podcast where we can't yeah. be in the same room together. So uh, very interesting. It is. It's very. Uh, it's quite unique uh, position that we're all in at the moment with uh, the coronavirus kind of taking over the globe. Yeah, I, I think um, the fact that this is global, every single person on the planet is impacted by this. And uh, it's really, I find it really hard to kind of get my head around the fact that it, it is the entire human population going through this. Yeah, it's it's definitely a unique uh, thing that we're, that we're all experiencing. And I think we're all dealing with it very differently as well. Um, I find myself looking into more podcasts and, and looking at different podcasts that are out there as well at the moment, trying to keep my mind a little more occupied mm. um, because you can go a bit stir crazy while you're inside. Yeah, I, I know I'm definitely struggling uh, with the, the isolation at the moment, a little bit of uh, cabin fever. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a difficult one as humans. You know, we crave we crave that attention and and social um, interaction, and uh, yeah, it's really difficult not having that just at your fingertips. Absolutely, and we both have newborns. Yes, uh, mate. I I did want to say congratulations. You've just had a, a new little boy, so yes. congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Well, I didn't really do much, but I was there. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, sometimes that's all that matters. Well, that's true. That is sometimes all that matters. I guess without me, it wouldn't have happened, but I didn't really contribute much more than that. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, now you can you can uh, contribute as much as you like now. Oh, mate, the amount of dirty nappies that I have been changing is a phenomenal. I tell you what, speaking as a male who's, you know, been on the sidelines while their partner's giving birth, I, I have a new appreciation for women that go through that process. I really look at women differently after this. Yeah, wow. That's it good. is incredible what they do. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I actually found it quite difficult watching that mm. just yep. and also being quite helpless in that situation. You yep. can only offer support and that is pretty much all you can do because you can't take anything away from what is happening. Yeah, I, I struggled through that too, and and like you said, just trying to provide as much support as possible. It was really hard to watch them go through it, knowing you couldn't. There was really nothing you could do to help. Mm, absolutely. Um, all right, look, we digress a little bit, but uh, yes, fun to be a new parent for both of us, which is awesome. Uh, but we are talking about beetroot today, so we are going to get stuck into it, uh, starting off with the history as we do each week, and I'm going to be tackling the history this week which uh, was very interesting uh yeah look I, b before we go any further I, I don't know about you but when i started looking into beetroot i i realized the more i read the more i wanted to know 
and the more I realized I didn't know and I was really struggling on how to condense the talking points into a, a reasonably timed podcast. <laughs> yes, that is also a very good thing to do, to have a reasonably timed podcast. And we just sort of succinctly do as much as possible. I mean, there is so much information out there on beetroot. It is one of the oldest vegetables that I've come across in terms of research. So um, we are probably going to miss things, but... Uh, you know, the stuff that we're going to talk about is basically just a synopsis of, of what we can find and, and give you a really good understanding of where they came from and why they're so good. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm really interested in learning about the history. So uh, okay. how about we get in, get into it? Let's do it. Okay. So um, I found some really good resources where I got this information from this week. Um, there was a really cool um, website called Just Beat It, which is <laughs> completely dedicated to uh, beetroots. Uh, and they had a multitude of uh, information there, which was really good. And they actually took references when they were talking about the history from Eating on the Wild Side by Joe Robinson, which is a book that I have as well, which we use for referencing. And also... Um, a bunch of other studies that they looked into as well. And I also got some information from the Kitchen Garden blog, which is another really good site uh, that talked about beetroots in quite depth. Um, so let's just kick it off. So basically the, the beetroot is descended from something called the sea beet, um, which is a wild plant that grows off the Mediterranean and the coast of Europe and North Africa. Um it's a pretty significant part of, of history. Uh, it was primarily eaten for the leaves and not the root. Mm. So you'll find in most cultures they were eating the leaves of the beetroot rather than the root because back, you know, really, really early times, the root system of the beet was very similar to a carrot. And right. it was through... So not that, not that bulby sort of... No. So it was a skinny carrot type... Uh, looking thing that we have uh, changed over time through, you know, through um, selective breeding. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I just had a real mind blank there of what they actually do. <laughs> Don't so worry, just modification. I, I got you back, mate. Good. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, there is some really old archaeological proof that the beetroot was used back in um, – back in like the Neolithic times. Um, so in the Netherlands uh, and also in Egypt, um, there's also some Assyrian texts that say that they were growing in the hanging gardens of Babylon in wow. 800 BC. Um, that's, uh, we're still not sure whether the hanging gardens actually ever existed, so we don't really know 100%, but we can definitely say that beetroots were around in the Mesopotamia area, the era. Um we know that the ancient Greeks cultivated the beetroots around 300 BC. Um, and again, they only used the leaves at that time. Um, so the, the roots actually weren't, weren't eaten. Um, and I'm going to lose my spot. <laughs> That's all good, mate. Oh, and we can see that uh, hypocrisy. Hip, hip, Hippocrates. Hippocrates? Do you know Hippocrates? Y yes. Yeah? Yes. He used the leaves for the beetroot for binding and dressing wounds. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yep. Yeah. And the Talmud, written in the 4th and 5th century, advises eating beetroot uh, for a longer life. 
So I'm sure that you saw a lot in your medicinal uses and nutrition that sort of lends to um, beetroot being used medicinally. Oh, there's there's so much information out there. Yeah, because back in the Roman time, these beets were actually used as a aphrodisiac. Right. I did. I, I did read that um, there was uh, beetroots uh, have a lot of um, like ancient mythology in terms of uh, being linked with uh, Aphrodite's. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The goddess of love. Yeah. It's very true. Um, well, she apparently she ate the beets to increase her appeal. <laughs> okay. Which is pretty go. cool. Um, but there are actually old. Um, hieroglyphs and and um like painting wall paintings and that type of thing uh back in roman era the hieroglyphs not in roman era but um in greek mythology like on the walls uh, near the brothels in pompeii that had the beetroot because they were seen as a sex hormone in the in the human body it increases your sex hormones in the human body yeah right mm. which i think kind of lends into and I know that you're going to get into this, but they're kind of high in—is it nitric oxide? Well, the the bit, yeah, we're we're getting ahead, but it's yeah. it's high in nitrates, yeah. Yes, yeah. which kind of opens up your blood. And anyway, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take and steal your your part, but uh, uh, very interesting to see that that was actually why they used beets mm. back in the day. Um, we also know that uh, in 1747. Uh, a guy called Andreas uh, Sigismund Magraf, I don't really know how to say his name. Uh, M-A- yeah. <laughs> it's Andreas Sigismund, M A R G G R A F, Magraf. Okay, cool. He's a chemist in Berlin. He discovered a new way to produce sucrose uh, from the beets. Right. Um, and his student, Franz Akran, perfected the method for extracting sugar, uh, leading them to predict the inevitable rise of beer that is made from beets, tobacco, molasses, and other products. So um, interesting. Do we do we have beer made from beetroot nowadays? Uh, yeah, there are a couple of beers made with beetroot, um, but they're more your specialty type of... Uh, mm. um, have you ever specialty. tried one? Have I ever tried a beetroot beer? I'm not sure if I have, to be honest. I don't think I've ever seen one. Yeah. I I know I've definitely seen one, uh, but I haven't really – I don't think I've ever tried one. Mm. I can't really drink beer anymore, so I don't know. I I guess you can make alcohol out of any sort of sugar, so it it shouldn't be that surprising. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, So moving on, we're going to hit into the 19th century now and – the beet really became uh, famous for the high concentration of sugar. Um, the first sugar beet factory was actually developed in Poland where sugarcane was restricted by the British and Napoleon utilised the beets as a leading source of sugar. And it was around that same time that they brought them over to the United States. And funnily enough, uh, it's the same guy who... Um, with the tomatoes, Thomas Jefferson. The he president. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was planting um, beetroots in Monticello, which yep. is his uh, Where he had his orchard. garden. Yep. That's it, yeah. Yep. Um, and now it's just commercially produced everywhere that, uh, you know, beets are used. So beet sugar 
um, is a big track aspect of, of a lot of things across the world, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So um, just remind me again, like where, what region did beetroots kind of, where, where did they, where did they start or where did they originate? Yeah, so it was around Europe and around the Mediterranean, really. Right. Yeah. So Europe and Egypt is where the the sea beet was, and then they used the leaves around that that time, and then it kind of evolved throughout the world into the bulbous type of sugary beet that we know today. Because um, beets are quite common in Europe in the um, the dish called borscht, right? The soup. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's it's. I feel like beetroots are a staple for a lot of different countries and their cuisine. Mm. You can see them throughout uh, many different cuisines, which we'll touch on later on. But it it seems like they they kind of started in an area and then they just grew uh, everywhere until they were kind of part of everyone's culture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll get on medicinal, but it it seemed like for good reason too. Mm. Well, I'm interested to hear about the medicinal yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, that's basically the history. It's pretty. I've made it short and sharp this week so that we yeah. can kind of run through it. But that is the uh, that is the history of the beat. Yeah, cool. Um, that's that's really interesting. I, I again, you know, each week we we actively avoid learning about each other's topics. So I, I really went out of my way to read nothing about the history of beetroots. Um, it's so really I, difficult. I had huh? no idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I know, but it seems through all the research, it kind of, everything leads into its, it, each other anyway. So mm. it's quite difficult not to read about, like I, I saw bits and pieces on medicinal use and yeah. I saw bits and pieces on nutrition, but I tried my hardest to close my eyes yeah. while I was reading. So um, when when you were when you were learning about the history of beetroots, because I know when I did onion, I it was really difficult to find a, a like a clear trail of um, where where it started and where it went and who had it first and you know where it all existed. Was there a clear trail or are they kind of just it was it's, all over the place? It's not really a clear trail. It's kind of like it started in that Mediterranean area and then it sort of evolved from there. But I. If you can see that it's part of ancient Roman um, text and yep. their culture, and with them taking over so much of the globe early on, yeah, I would say that the beetroot would have spread quite easily with their trade routes through the areas of the world that they were taking, kind of you know ruling or conquering, so we say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think those those kind of routes where it moves with a conquering uh, party, and because it was so prevalent, especially in their brothels uh, with the Romans, mm. then you know they take those brothels everywhere, don't they? Yeah, oh, of course <laughs> they have to, don't they? They got to keep the men happy. It's all about morale <laughs> for the soldiers. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> all right that's enough of history let's move straight on to nutrition is that what we're talking about next yeah so the next category is nutrition and medicine but um given the amount of content i, I thought i'd split it up nutrition and then medicine because there's, okay. there's actually a lot of ground to cover with the both of them so okay um uh, really interesting I, I i don't know about you but i i probably knew one thing about the beetroot going into this when it came to nutrition and medicine um yeah. and we touched on it before about the nitrates but uh as i started to read more i, I did the beetroot 
just began to to blow my mind with the amount of um, information and and studies that have been done. <laughs> Wait, was that a pun? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I don't pun. I'm not punny. You should. Um, <laughs> All right, well, well, blow my mind. I don't know what I was trying to say. Anyway, go on. <laughs> oh, mate. Have you, have you had enough sleep or are you all right? No, <laughs> I haven't had enough sleep. Uh, <laughs> yep, living the dream, mate, living the dream. Absolutely. Hey, I wouldn't trade it for anything, so it's all no, good. definitely not. Um, with, with the beetroot, or let's go back a bit. The term superfood is thrown around a lot. Um, these days and depending on who you talk to and you know there's always people for and against superfood is not it's not really a defined or industry name it's a like a marketing tool that people use to describe a product but if you look at why someone would call something a superfood it, it it's really that there are a lot of advantages from that particular food item in our diet so you could effectively say that beetroot is a superfood. Um, if you just look at the the host of things that it does, it very easily, you know, you could call it a superfood without even without even second guessing yourself. But let's. I'm not go. totally. I'm not totally against the word superfood. I'm no. not against it either, but you know, nutritionists and dietitians and and all that sort of stuff say that uh, it, there is no technical term superfood. It's just a marketing a marketing term. So you mm. know, it depends who you talk to. Uh, say like, the same thing about Superman, but you know, <laughs> he's real too. Of course, <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> Um, so look, let's just start with the basics of the beetroot. You know, it's it's between eighty six and eighty eight percent water, um, between eight and ten percent carbs, and between two and three percent fiber. So um, the fiber that you actually get in the beetroot is a real high quality fiber, which can help with uh, gut health and digestion. Um, yes. And it, and the two to three two to three percent sounds not like much, but it's actually um, it's actually quite a lot when you look at um, your dietary intake of fiber. So just just at a real basic level, um, high in sugar, which you know explains why it used to be um, commercially harvested you know, back in the day for for sugar. Um, but that fiber is really important as well. If we move through to uh, like the the vitamins and minerals, I'll list a bunch off and then talk about a few of the key ones. Um, so you've got folate, manganese, potassium, iron, vitamin C, copper, phosphorus, uh, and vitamin B6. So that's most of most of the vitamins that are in there. Um, if we go back, some of the more important ones or higher higher level you've got folate which is really important for um, tissue growth and um, pregnancy so a lot of pregnant women will take folate while they're um, while they're um, you know waiting for that baby to pop um, yep. you've got some manganese it's just a, a basic trace element that we need um, quite good levels of potassium potassium is good for like uh, blood pressure and heart health mm-hmm. um, you know bananas nice and high in potassium as well Mm -hmm. iron i think most people know what iron's good for but basically for transporting oxygen uh uh, it kind of binds oxygen to your blood cells and transport it around the body and vitamin c again something that most people are are pretty common common knowledge you know it's an antioxidant great for immune function skin health that sort Mm. of thing as well so um that's really interesting because uh and you would already know this as well so plant-based iron is best absorbed by the body when you have it with vitamin C. 
Mm. Um, yep. So the fact that this particular vegetable is high in iron, high in vitamin C, and um, also high in – what was the other thing? That you said? Folate. Yeah, folate. I mean, the, all the three of those kind of bundled together kind of makes it really good for an iron intake. Mm. Yep. I know that uh, we were having spinach, beetroot, and orange juice smoothie type things yeah. for iron. Yep. Which was delicious. And I mean, it's really good for to getting your iron levels up. Yeah. And look, um, before we get too far down, we are just talking about the root of the beetroot plant. So when you're referring to the plant, it's, it's actually called the beet. And then the, the red kind of root bulb is the beet root. But oh. let's not forget. <laughs> that makes so much sense now. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's actually the beet plant and then we eat the root. So the beet root. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I feel like you're incredibly stupid right now because that did not click. I, I said this earlier when I was – researching this the more i researched the more i realized i didn't know and the more time i wanted to spend learning it because um. i felt stupid as well while i was trying to read all this <laughs> stuff I was, I was actually really nervous about doing this because there's so much ground to cover and and some of it's quite quite in depth but mm. uh you know it would take a long time to really get your head around everything that's going on here but what i wanted to distinguish was with everything i listed then was the root you can also eat the leaves. The leaves are similar, similar to spinach and Swiss chard and those sorts of things. And the leaves are high in iron, vitamin C, vitamin A, magnesium, potassium, and folate. So wow. you've got these two options where you've got the root, which is, you know, got its benefits, and then the leaves have also got their benefits. So, you know, you, you've got two different options when it comes to eating this plant. That's so cool. Um, but everything I talk about going forward will be related to the, the root itself okay. rather than the, the leaves. The leaves have got their own um, nutritional value and they're, they're fantastic, but we're, we're really specifically talking about the root now. Mm. Um, so we, we kind of touched on the, the nutritional profile and, and the vitamins and minerals that are in it. Um, we've also got a, a really unique source of phytonutrients in the beetroot plant and the phytonutrients that are in it are called beetlins. Um, and these beetlins uh, are where your antioxidant and anti-inflammatory and the detoxification of the body comes from, but they're also the pigments that give the beetroot the color that it is that really unique kind of red, red violet color. Mm. There's actually two phytonutrients that are in there. One is the red color and one is like a yellowy color, but it kind of, they, they merge together and you get this really deep kind of violet color. Nice. But uh, I don't know if you've ever seen there's a there's a yellow beetroot or a yellow whitey. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that, that yellow one's got a higher balance of the other phytonutrient and yeah. Mm. Um, they've got they've got uh, chemical names, but I'm not even gonna bother trying to pronounce them. So we'll just call <laughs> them beetlins and they are phytonutrients. <laughs> awesome. That's all right. I like yeah. that. And, and this pigment or this phytonutrient is uh, well studied. Some There's a lot of benefits that we can go through here. Um, but uh, I think one important thing to note is, is this pigment is water-soluble. So it makes it quite vulnerable to oxidation. Um, mm. do, you know, do you know what oxidation is? You know, it's yep. kind of like when steel rusts and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
and uh, they're also very temperature sensitive. So this is something that I I didn't realize, but um, it's really important with beetroots not to overcook them because you actually you actually destroy their nutritional value. Well, it depends how you want to define nutritional medicine, but these phytonutrients start to break down the more you cook them. Okay. Um, so I did look into the cooking side of it a bit, and I don't want to kind of get into that right now but uh if you can avoid cooking a beetroot the more healthy it is for you so go with pickled and raw and those sorts of things okay that's weird because i just had a beetroot curry the other day um which was basically raw beetroot that's been shredded and then just had like a uh sort of spices and things mixed through it and Mm. it was kind of breaking itself down already uh in this like kind of curry it was really good yeah it sounds good i love a good curry Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um yeah these these beetlings are um we'll 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 talk more about them as i move through into the medicinal side but uh yeah really important source of phytonutrients Mm -hmm. um and we discussed earlier nitrates. Um, so we've got nitrates in a beetroot, which when consumed in the human body, they turn into nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide um, has had a lot of study when it comes to athletic performance. Um, but, you know, we talked about uh, ancient times, them using it for um, sexual performance. It, it, it's all kind of linked to how nitric oxide works in the body. So nitric oxide is considered a vasodilator. So what it does is it opens up all your blood vessels, Mm -hmm. um, allows more blood to pump through over a given time or more volume. More blood means more oxygen and more blood also means more nutrients as well. So just that one, um, one thing can have a big impact on a lot of different systems in the body. So, you know, sexual performance can be one because, you know, you need a lot of blood in certain areas. You've got, you've got muscular performance. So Go more on. Oxi- <laughs> <laughs> uh, more, more blood into your muscles means uh, more oxygen. So you could have more endurance or more stamina. Mm-hmm. Um more blood into the brain so that helps with your brain health and dementia and i'll talk a little bit more about this on but there's a lot of a lot of benefits that come with just um vasodilation yeah, wow. so it's um the beetroot at the end of the day it is really densely packed with uh, a heap of nutrition mm. so you actually get a lot of bang for your buck when it comes to eating a beetroot you know it, yeah it, calorie for calorie you're, you're getting you're getting a lot out of it yeah. yeah, it sounds like a superfood. It does strangely sound a little <laughs> bit like that. If only there was a good a good term for it. I can't think of like this one word that would just kind of encompass all of that. Yeah, maybe it's mega food. <laughs> <laughs> Super mega awesome food. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And, nice. And something else I guess important is that that um the skin that's on the outside it, it mm-hmm. I was reading about this, you know, it talks about how um, it a beetroot looks really solid and indestructible with that skin on. Yeah. Um, but because of the temperature sensitivity and the oxidation and, and those sorts of things, it's actually really delicate and it should be treated quite delicately. If you if you break that skin open, they, there is a term called beetroot bleeding and it, it, it will actually um, degrade the product. 
So you, yeah, you wow. really you really want to look after your beetroots and and that comes to selecting good beetroots when you're shopping as well as making sure that that skin's not damaged because um, it, you know if you can get one that's that's really cared for ultimately mm-hmm. you've you've picked it out of your garden at home but if you've got to buy it at the shops really really kind of look for those undamaged beetroots yeah nice yeah so it's a really interesting uh plant okay. yeah it's actually funny they the beetroot bleeding the beetroot juice is what they use in plant-based meats to mimic the the blood the blood yeah you know? yeah um well it so, does have a similar color right yeah it does and it also i mean if we really think about it, they're substituting in, you know, beetroot juice instead of animal blood, essentially, uh, which I would say that the beetroot juice from everything that you've just said sounds incredibly good for you. Mm. So it's probably a really good thing. I know they're going for the whole look and feel for, you know, of meat with a plant-based meat, but it sounds like they're doing it some justice in terms of adding a superfood juice to to it to make it a bit more healthier for you yeah definitely mm. um if we we sort of move into the medicinal side of beetroot rather than the nutritional side you know we touched on the nitrates so um nitrates because of that vasodilation there's there's some uh some research out there and suggestions about a reduction of blood pressure it kind of makes sense when you think about kind of opening up your your blood vessels and mm-hmm. allowing more space for blood to flow and and dropping your blood pressure that doesn't mean you could you know just run out and go off your blood pressure medication but it can <laughs> it can help with lowering your overall blood pressure if you kind of keep up regular consumption of yeah. of beetroots um there's a lower there can be seen as uh, maybe a, a lower risk of diabetes as well um there's some information out there about a um ingredient called alpha lipoic acid um and that uh, could help with uh, lowering glucose levels and insulin sensitivity so potential benefits there for diabetes a lot of this research is um has been conducted on animals only or small human trials or lab trials. So it's it's really hard to say um, with uh, a more definitive um, answer or, or a comment that, that it will mm. do this. But um, there, are, there is, there's articles out there that suggest a lot of this stuff might help. Yeah. Um, we touched before on, on gut health um, and we, we talked about the, the fiber that comes in, in the, the beetroot and, um, the beetroot fiber is uh, similar with like the fiber from a carrot as well, where it um, it has beta carotene as well as um, the betalin, yep. um, and it, it it has been shown to really assist in in gut health and digestion, but also um, specifically in the prevention of colon cancer. So they're mm. still looking at research to that, but it you know there's there's some help in in the colon cancer side of it. Um, we talked about athletic performance, so the nitric oxide vasodilator, which, you know, again, that's affect blood pressure. We've got uh, a brain health, so um, the nitric oxide also assists there, but uh, they talk about with that increased oxygenation, um, improving brain, brain neuroplasticity. So Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a big one. Um, yeah. And... Um, uh, the improved oxygenation in the in the brain also impacts the. Let's see if I can pronounce this right. The somatomotor cortex of the brain, and that's the area. Sorry, that, can you just repeat that for me? Somatomotor. 
So Nada Moto. It sounds like a Japanese car company, but. Uh... <laughs> uh, carry on. <laughs> Please consider. Um, the somatomoto cortex is uh, usually the area that's affected uh, when dementia sets in. So, oh, wow. you know, by improving that oxygenation, you can hopefully help uh, either delay or stop dementia. Yeah, because um, I, I know that dementia is kind of caused from uh, pathways within the brain that are kind of shutting down. Mm, so, I actually don't know much about dementia. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, and Alzheimer's, I believe, is of the same sort of family with this with uh, type. Is where you know there are kind of like it's almost like the salting of the brain. It kind of crystallizes areas of the brain that and it shuts it down. Mm-hmm. But they say that this kind of diet leading up. Uh, it needs to kind of be progressive through your whole life to minimize your risk of of having dementia. But I'm assuming that beetroot would be in terms of opening up blood, keeping blood flow going through, increasing Mm. neuroplasticity would be a big help in preventing those type of long-term, you know, Mm. medical issues down the track. Yeah, it's funny how when you you kind of learn how, let's say dementia, you know, once you once you understand the effect that it's having in the brain, you can see why something like this would have a positive impact. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But I think it, the thing that is pretty clear with most of these things is that it's a uh, it's something that needs to be done over a long period of time. It's not mm. a quick fix. It's not like I can yeah. start doing it as soon as it starts creeping in. Do you know? You what can't. I mean? You can't just live the high life until you're seventy and then go right now. I'm going to get on the beats and we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, that's right. That's it's kind of something you need to instigate throughout your whole life, mm. uh, which is again why we're doing this podcast is to kind of help people to understand the nutritional benefits of adding more vegetables to your diet. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I don't know how you're feeling now, but I feel like beetroots have been really underrated in my in my diet. I mean, I I love a, a beetroot, you know, on a yeah. like I'll, I'll make a veggie burger or something like that. But uh, after learning all of this, I, I feel like I want to just put more and more beetroots into my diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think that kind of comes down to ease of use. Mm. And when you buy a beet, you know, just a standard beetroot, you do have to do, you know, at least a good 30 to 40 minutes of work to actually eat it. Um, yep. So that can kind of be an off-putting situation for a lot of people putting these into their diets. But there are definitely opportunities for you to buy beetroots that have already been skinned and cooked and, you know, wrapped so that you can eat them quickly mm. uh, and get all the benefits that we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Um, if we keep keep talking about medicinal, we talked about uh, detoxifying the body. Mm-hmm. So um, I found this one really interesting, but it's the the betaine, which is the, the amino acid that's in um, in beets, uh, which, funnily enough, is also found in spinach and and quinoa. Um, it helps. It it can help to pr- reduce the accumulation of fat in the liver. Um, Some studies on animals have shown that uh, high levels of this enzyme uh, can help detoxify the bloodstream uh, and the betaine has also shown to improve liver function as well, which helps slightly decrease um, 
cholesterol and and the size of the liver as well. So um, you've got this detoxifying of the body plus there's a real positive effect on the liver and the kidneys. Um, So there's a real kind of almost this holistic approach to the beetroot when it comes to the body and all all of the different things that uh, potentially it can do. Yeah, Um, There is a lot of a lot of research there about um, all the different types of, of cancers that um, beetroot can can sort of help avoid. And look, it, it is most of them. I'm not going to list them all off, but uh, it seems to be very beneficial against a lot of the, I guess, the major cancers that are out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely there doesn't seem to be any negative reason to put beetroot into your diet. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. I yeah, like it. It's I mean, and I've really only just touched the surface. We could we <laughs> could we could dive into a lot of these a lot of these categories. You know, we talked about blood pressure and diabetes and gut health and athletic yeah. performance and cancer risk. I mean the the cancer stuff studies have been done on on human tumor cells, so it's not just animal studies, but yeah, yeah, like colon, stomach, nerve, lung, breast, prostate, testicular. There's there's heaps of stuff out there on. So basically, get it in your diet is what you're trying to say. Exactly, like incorporate and it as much as you can. You can have it in so many different forms. You you yeah. know you can roast up a beetroot. You can uh, blend one up in a beetroot don't you juice. Take my segment, man. <laughs> don't you take my segment. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, you are but, getting ahead of yourself. But you know, while we're talking about that, I, one of the things I said earlier was um, trying to limit how much you cook a beetroot. So mm. if you can keep it under 15 minutes, you're going to get most of the nutritional profile. Once you go over that, it kind of slowly starts to degrade. Um, yeah, I think that's the case budget. with a lot of. I mean, a lot of vegetables are very much like that, but I think that degradation and the and the amount that you lose from cooking it completely through is it's kind of minimal on the side of you know your overall benefit for the vegetable. Mm. So yeah. you know if if there's like you know if you're gonna cook it for longer and you still want to roast beetroots, it's not a bad thing for you. You may miss out on some vitamins and minerals and you know some of the good properties, but you're still getting so much of it into you that it's not yeah. a negative thing to go over. Yeah, well, times. yeah. I, I think mainly the the cooking really destabilizes those phytonutrients, the betalin. Yeah. So you know you're still going to get the fiber and the nitrates and all that sort of stuff as well. It's really the betalins which you're missing, and they're more linked to your anti-inflammatory, antioxidant type mm-hmm. um, type effects. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. really cool. Now, I did notice as well, and I, I've known this from the past, that they've used, you know, a beetroot powder in a lot of pre-workout formulas uh, for the gym. makes a lot of sense now that we talk about, you know, how it uh, opens up your blood vessels, allows the oxygen and allows your blood to pump a lot, uh, a lot more blood through the muscles and getting that athletic performance. It's almost like giving you a shot in the arm of mm. here's some extra blood for the body, yeah. go do your workout. Yeah, I know there was uh, – I can't remember his name. There was a Paralympian who um, came out publicly and said that before every one of his events, he takes a shot of beetroot juice. Yeah, wow. Um, and uh, I, I do know of people that – I don't know if they do it now. This was, you know, over 10 years ago, but they were giving their racehorses uh, beetroot powder for performance as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. Crazy. Yeah. Absolutely Crazy. Well, that was very informative, mate. I really enjoyed that segment. I it just makes me want to eat more beetroot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is 
I suppose, the goal, right? Yeah, that's it. Yep. Mm. So I believe you are taking over and doing the growing phase now. Yeah. So, you know, we've we've learned history. We've learned some nutritional and medicine. So it seems only natural if we learn how to grow it ourselves mm-hmm. and then we can reap the benefits. Yes. And I'm going to tell you how to store it. So you tell me how to grow these and I'm going to tell you how to store it. You're going to tell me how to cook it too, right? Yeah. After, after I tell you how to store it. Fair enough. Fair enough. You've got to store it before you cook it, surely. Well, not necessarily. Or, anyway, go on. <laughs> unless you count storing it in the ground as storing it. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> so fine, that's fine. growing, I'm pretty yeah. sure. That's your topic, mate. <laughs> All right, let's move on to growing. All right, hit me with it. Let's go. It, this was interesting because uh, I felt like the growing was similar to the onion, which is why I asked you uh, earlier about whether there was a really clear um, – historical kind of start mm-hmm. for beetroot because if you go back and listen to onion, onion kind of widely grown everywhere across the planet. So when I when I looked at growing, I realized it's actually quite a hardy, hardy plant to grow. It will if we look at the conditions it'll grow in, it can tolerate frost, it can grow in the um heat and um it doesn't need full or part sun. Like it'll grow, it'll grow in the shade. It'll grow in full sun. It'll grow in part sun. It basically grows everywhere. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Oh, so that's my kind of vegetable. To exactly. Grow. <laughs> exactly. You could, you could pretty much grow it anyway. You know, we, we live in Melbourne where we, you know, we can have frost and cold nights and that sort of thing. And in summer it can get quite hot. So it, it it's good to see that for us, there's an option of growing this plant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like most roots and tubers um, in that category, the, the soil needs to be really loose and um, uh, like well-drained and lots of organic matter in there. And that's mm-hmm. really because it's a root vegetable, the, it needs room to move and grow and, and really get bigger. So, you know, if your soil's really hard or clay, it, and it has to be loosened up and broken down before you're really going to be able to grow beetroot. It just needs a lot of room to grow. Yeah. Um, but on that topic, you can you don't have to grow it in a garden. There's, there's no reason why you couldn't grow it in uh, a container or you know like the polystyrene boxes you get from the greengrocer yeah. or anything like that. You, it'll it'll grow anywhere. Wow, um, so awesome. if you don't you know if you don't have a, a backyard or a garden, you can grow it on your balcony. Okay. Um, and and I think based on the um, Nutritional density and the, the the benefits. Everyone should be growing this plant at home, and I guess moving into the next phase is the planting and harvesting. You can sow it from kind of spring to early autumn in the cold. If it's okay. warmer, you can go spring to full autumn. Um, but if it's subtropical, you can you can plant all year round. Okay. Uh, so there's. You, there's a really wide window for planting, but what that means is that you actually stagger your planting. You can do it one week, two weeks, three weeks apart and just have a continual harvest of beetroots wow. and just keep keep plucking fresh ones all year round. Wow. Um, that's, so that's awesome. Hence the reason why you should grow it at home. You just constantly have beetroot coming out all the time. Um, so you could almost, you know, have boxes that are like this is planted in March, this one's yeah. planted in April, this one's planted in and then just keep – Harvesting just, from them yeah. each one, oh, and ro- ro- rotate through and never, never um, run out of beetroot. Yep, that's amazing. That's so good. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was uh, really impressive. So not only have you got this plant that's that's super good for you, 
it's easy to grow and will grow all year round. <laughs> it's win, win, win. Yep. And you can eat the it. leaves as well. So there's no wastage. Yeah. Um, so if we talk about the staggered planting, you know, you can have continuous supply. Um, everything that I've read says that um, the beetroot is best grown from seed. So try and avoid um, buying little seedlings or, or yep. you know pre-sprouted yep. get the seeds grow up from seed but uh if to get a really good result from the seed just soak them in water overnight before you plant them okay um and then yeah you just plant your seeds and there's nothing really special about planting it's pretty standard you know two centimeters below the soil that sort of thing and just well fertilized lots of organic matter um can use a bit of manure and that sort of thing as well um the only thing when it comes to planting that uh, the beetroot doesn't like, and funnily enough, it's um, fertilizer high in nitrogen. Oh. So I, I, I wonder if that plays into the nitrate levels that are in the beetroot. So it just doesn't like high high nitrogen fertilizers, yeah. Okay. But once you've planted the seeds, it, should, it takes about two weeks for it to sprout. Yep. Um, and then uh, the faster the beetroot grows, the tastier it will be. So if you keep it fed um, and keep the water up to it and get it growing really fast, it it, it all intense says that it will it'll be a lot tastier and a lot juicier. Oh wow! Um, when it comes to watering, keep it keep it uh, damp but not flooded because the flooded it'll impact the, the root which is what you're going to eat and generally it's because you might get a buildup of um, um, some fungus or something like that that'll kind of rot the root yeah that makes sense um, but from from planting to harvest it's anywhere between two and four months so fairly quick turnaround as well that's not bad that's actually really good yeah yeah two to four months I could handle that yeah yeah so you know there's some that's two it. months. <laughs> two months is not long. And if you had that going all the time, it's, oh yeah, you don't need many, many uh, crops going to keep a continual harvest. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome. Um, I love that. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, and super easy to know when to pick it as well because uh, if 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 it's grown well, the um, the root will kind of crown out of the top of the soil. Yep. And you're good to go. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, so like super easy to plant, super easy to grow, turnaround times really quick, kind of low maintenance type product. It's it's really hardy, so there's not a lot of pests that um, will will bother the plant. Um, it, the worst enemy for a beetroot is just too much water at an early kind of young stage, which, like I said, we'll talk about um, kind of rotting the root and and that sort of thing. Yeah, well. and yeah, it's uh, it's a really hardy plant. Um, I love it, man. Absolutely no reason not to grow any. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you can grow it anywhere. It's really good for you. Okay. Uh, I love it. Uh, I'm going to start growing them. Yeah. Probably grow them in the garage. It's a great place to do it. Yeah. They might <laughs> want a little bit of sun, but uh, you, no. you might be able to get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe it'll take four months Just down there. Set up a big mirror outside to direct some sunlight into the garage. Too much work. All right. I'm, I'm, do a, 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 Mon, a Monty Burns mirror. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, all right. Well, should we get into the storing of them after you've harvested them? Well, I thought I'd touch on companion planting first before we move on. Oh, oh yes. Go yeah. ahead. Talk to and me. And this one, again, was really interesting. It's just it's like all these positives for beetroot, right? So at the end of the day, beets are friendly. They love everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go on. 
friendly beets. Talk mate. to me about how friendly, friendly these beets. beetroots are. Beets, beets yeah. will grow beside anything, but um, really they like you know broccoli. Beets, Battlestar Galactica. That's it. <laughs> That's an broccoli, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Bush beans. Well, yeah. That's uh, Dwight Schrute. I know. A, Dwight, uh, is yeah. a beet farmer. So, you know, and he's always banging on about the beautiful qualities of beetroot. Well, he was onto something, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he certainly was. Uh, I, now I've, I've totally lost my whole companion planting thing. So. Yeah, sorry, man. I'm talking about the office That's now. Right. It's yeah. lost it. Yeah, so tell good. me about companion planting, how friendly they are. Yeah, cabbage, cauliflower, shards, kohlrabi, lettuce, onions. Basically, most plants will grow yeah. well with beets. Um, right. The only things that don't are pole beans and field mustard. Yeah, right. that's right. pretty much it. But yeah, they they'll they'll grow near anything and sort of any any diverse garden beets will thrive in. Yeah, that's amazing. I love yep. it. Yep. That's really good. Okay, let's talk about storing beets. Let's do it. As soon as they crown and kind of come out of the dirt, which is what uh, Tim was touching on just uh, recently. Not recently. <laughs> Tim touched on this recently in his conversation about uh, planting beetroots. Uh, so the best way to store the beetroots um, you don't want to have any of the damaged or bruised roots because they won't store well, which is what you were talking about as soon as you kind of cut into them a little bit, it doesn't really do well for them. So you want to gently rub the soil off the roots when you're storing them. Don't wash them though, but you want to make sure that they're dry. They need to be stored in a cold, moist place um, where it's not freezing, but it's also, you know, uh, relatively high humidity. Um, if you want to store beets in the refrigerator, you can place them in a plastic bag in the vegetable crisper and the beets will keep in the refrigerator for one to three months. Wow. One to three months. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I thought that's really cool. They can also be packed in a container or a plastic storage box or something like that. Um, you can put moist sand or peat moss or sawdust in there. Um, just make sure that they don't touch each other, otherwise they start to rot as well. Mm. So when you're storing them, you want to store them about, you know, two inches apart and make sure that there's good air circulation that's going through it. And that's pretty much how you store beets. Yeah. It, it, it's funny when we talk about storage, um, you know, when we we started this podcast on episode one, we talked about tomatoes. Now, mm. when we, we discussed how to store tomatoes, I changed the way I store them. I don't know if you did, but I, I was did. putting them in the fridge and now now yeah. we have them sitting out on the counter. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know if you've experienced this because we haven't talked about it, but uh, our tomatoes are so much different having oh, stored man. them on the bench. They, they yep. actually have more flavor. Yeah, definitely in the exact same position as you with that yeah. and i actually found that they've lasted a little bit longer sitting yeah, out on the bench yeah um so you that know skin doesn't go all wrinkly and gross and yeah. no no and they're not as soft as well yeah yep. uh, i was just amazed by that and i i, I love that yeah when it comes to beetroot i don't generally buy um like just the raw beetroots uh, uh we buy, we buy them all the time yeah yeah See, I, I so you go tinned or no? Well, they've got these really cool vacuum sealed packs of uh, no, the ones. baby beets. Yeah, yep. um, and I just find them really 
super easy and really quick to actually get them in. Is that is that like um, Baby Beats? Is that who did Baby Shark? Yes, it is. That's right. the exact same artist. I, I hate that everybody seal. out there has that song in their head now. <laughs> Jamie was singing it the other day to, <laughs> to Henley, and I did not want to go down oh that, my God. that path. I'm not a fan of that song. No, me either. Okay. All right, let's talk about cooking because yep, cooking is a really big part of the uh, of the beetroot. Mm-hmm. I found this really cool um, – extract from a book called cooking and dining in imperial rome so this is the earliest times of cooking uh beetroot and it says when cooking beets in rome roots must be cleaned well cook them with mead and a little salt and oil boil them down in the liquor so that the roots are saturated thereby the liquid itself is good drinking nice i know um they also say to make a dish of beets uh, that will appeal to your taste, slice the beets uh, and then add leeks and crush coriander and cumin, add raisin, wa- ra- um, add raisin wine and then boil it all down to perfection, bind it and serve it separate from the broth with oil and vinegar. Mm, so I'm hearing two recipes both cook beets with alcohol. Yes, that is. Yes, that is correct. Nice. <laughs> well, it must be really good to kind of bring that sugars out and the natural mm. sugars, um, mm. which is really cool. But that's Imperial Rome. We're talking about way, way, way back. Mm-hmm. This is how they used to cook the beets. Um, but before we get too far into cooking, I so I jumped on Google and typed in how to cook beets, and then I found a whole bunch of the, you know, most common questions. And we're going to tackle those common questions now so that we can kind of, you know, these are the things that people are obviously thinking about when it coming to beetroot, and we're just going to cover them and hit them off really quickly. So can can you run me through the questions before you tackle each one? I just want to hear what they all are. Yeah. So first one is do you have to peel beets before cooking them? Right. Second one, can you eat raw beetroot? Do beets lose nutrition or nutrients when boiled? Does cooking destroy the nitrates? Um, What's the healthiest way to cook beets? And that is what we're going to be covering really quickly. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. And we're going to do this really quickly, really kind of punchy uh, answers on the first answers that kind of popped up in the Google search for these ones. So do you have to peel beets before cooking them? You don't, you don't have to bother uh, peeling beets before cooking because the skin is actually quite difficult to remove when they're raw. Mm. Um, but as soon as you cook them, you can peel the skin off like like super easy. I, I, I don't know if you've cooked them like that and, and stripped the skin away after you've finished cooking them. But I, I normally eat them with the skin on. Oh, really? Yeah, I put them in the oven, roast them up and eat them whole. No, don't okay. peel them at all. Yep. Oh, wow. Aren't you a weirdo? So, <laughs> no, it's not weird. It's just uh, it's just how you do it. Look, well, <laughs> sorry. Um, well, you can peel the skin off, though. That's the, the main point here. Yeah. Uh, one of the best ways to actually do that is after you've roasted them or boiled them or something like, you know, however you want to cook them, you take the beetroot and place it on a paper towel and then just use the paper towel to separate the skin from the from the oh, actual yeah. root. Mm. Um, and it will just fall off really quickly. Um, 
it's essentially, you know, it just takes that top layer of the skin right off and, and you can eat it right there. All right, next one. Can you eat raw beetroot? Yes, you can eat raw beetroot. It's actually used in a lot of different salads, the raw beet. Mm. Um, you'll probably have seen them uh, on a lot of, you know, breakfast plates around Melbourne. You know, they a lot of chefs tend to use them more decoratively on smashed avocado, smashed avocado dishes. Mm. You know, those um, what look like crisp chips of a white and purple colour or purpley red colour or even the yellow, um, that's actually beetroot that they've that they've taken and they're just slicing it really thin and placing it on the top of those, which is really cool. They also grate it as well, right? Yeah, yeah you can grate it and put it into – I've had like fresh raw beetroot grated uh, or even um, julienne with uh, fresh mm. carrot as well. Yeah, and generally you can just use like a little vinaigrette that goes over the top of that, and it just brings out the the beautiful flavors in the in the beach. Well, pickling would be considered raw as well, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe so. Well, um, based on your definition of cooking from yes. last last episode, <laughs> no, that is correct. You know, from forty five degrees and above, that is a real thing. It is. Yeah, it is. No, I, I have heard that. I just didn't know what yeah. the uh, the actual temperature was. Yeah. yeah, okay. That's good. Okay, next one. Do beets lose nutrition when boiled? Uh, raw beets contain more mineral, uh, minerals. My God. So a mineral is a combination of vitamins and minerals. Mm. And, um, you heard and, it here first. That's right. And, oh, yeah, and, and antioxidants than cooked beets. But uh, so they're saying like with – with many vegetables, the longer you cook the beets, especially in water, um, the more of the colorful photonutrients leak out of the food into the water. Um, so you, it's probably best to cook them by roasting them or sauteing them to keep most of the nutrients. And I think that, uh, you know, if you're cooking them by putting a little bit of olive oil, salt, and wrapping it in some alfoil that you're chucking into the oven, you're going to keep most of those um, nutrients in there, although you will lose some when in, in the cooking process. It's just yeah, bound to and happen. It's like I said earlier, I think um, – the, the main issue with the cooking is um, breaking down that that uh, betalin, which is water soluble, and and that's it. Um, it just it just loses its potency the longer it's cooked. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, the next one we're talking about here is does cooking beets destroy the nitrates? So we know that from uh, everything that you've talked about in nutrition, the nitrates are a, a super important part of the beetroot as a nutritional benefit to people. Um, and from what I can see, researchers have noted that nitrates are not destroyed in the cooking process. Yeah, I, I didn't come across anything that uh, that even spoke about nitrates and, and cooking. Yeah. yeah. So you're basically trading off between you're going to lose some photonutrients when you cook them, um, you know, for a longer time, but you're maintaining all those nitrates, which is the real, you know, important part of the – of the well, I mean, it's all important, but you know that that amount of blood that's kind of pumped through your body from the nitrates that are you know helping you distribute the blood across the body, that you're not going to lose that. Yeah. I, I guess at know. the end of the day, you eat some raw, some cooks. You know, you don't always have to have one or the other. No, no, absolutely. Uh, now, the healthiest way of cooking beets, they're saying that studies have shown beets 
the concentration of photonutrients, such as the betalins, which you betalanes that you spoke about, are diminished by heat. So the best way to cook them are is for steaming beets for 15 minutes, which maximizes their nutrition and flavor, um, and make sure that the water doesn't hit the bottom of your um, of your steamer. Yeah. So 15 minutes, and that's the best. The healthiest way for you actually to cook your beets and eat them. Interesting. Yeah. How about that, huh? Mm. So um, we, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, what's what's your favorite way to eat them? Oh, man. There's so many different ways. I really love that shake that I was talking about before where we, we basically chuck spinach, beetroot, and orange juice into a blender and blend that up. It tastes a little earthy, but the sweetness of the orange juice kind of makes it really nice, and I love that drink. It is absolutely delicious and incredibly good for getting iron into your body. Mm. Um, so I really love that, but uh, there's nothing quite like a pickled – beetroot with like um and i i don't have feta but um like a vegan feta is what i generally have but like a persian style vegan feta that with beetroot that's been pickled and you know that's my favorite way i absolutely love it like that Mm. yeah i i'm torn you know If I had to, I had the same problem last week where onions, it's hard to narrow it down to a dish where beetroot is the hero, but mm. um, beetroot dip. I mean, for me, a, a really, a really <laughs> nice Mediterranean style beetroot dip. Yep. Perfect. Perfect way to have beetroot. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that kind of plays into what we were talking about with the ancient Roman way that they used to, to actually eat the beetroot is with salt, olive oil and beetroot. You know, you can make a beetroot dip really, really quickly by just, you know, kind of making it those particular ingredients and maybe adding something that maybe thickens it up a little bit. Yep. Um, like, a, yep. I don't know if you'd add tahini to that, but, you know, that, that could be a way to kind of thicken up your, your beetroot dip. Mm, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, go, sorry. Uh, I was going to say I, I love sliced sliced beetroot on a, on a hamburger. <laughs> yep. That is a good way to have it as well, mate. Yeah. Um, I think I feel like that's an Australian thing. I don't know. Is yeah, it? same with pineapple. I feel like beetroot and pineapple in a burger is a very Australian thing. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we may be wrong. Please tell us if we are. Um, so let's talk really quickly about, I mean, we talked about you can – Cook them raw. I mean, you can have them raw, boiled, cooked, pickled. Um, you can add them to salads. You can roast them and add them to, you know, whatever you want. I really like roast beetroot as well. Uh, mm. Big fan of that. And it's pretty simple to do. Most um, most beetroot uh, dishes will just take about 30 minutes for you to cook uh, beets, mm. uh, particularly if you're doing it in the oven, you can uh, roast them for for 30 to 40 minutes on about 200 degrees uh, Celsius, and you'll have the beets done uh, and ready to go. Yeah, that's that's good, man. There's mm. actually uh, there's one more thing I wanted to cover before we wrap up this podcast. Talk to me. And it was something I learned. Uh, maybe 10 years ago, but uh, it's never really talked about when it comes to beetroot. 
And okay. you know, if you've if you've had a, a a nice hearty meal of beetroots the night before, the effect that beetroots has on your bowel movements. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed, but um, it can turn your poo red and your wee can go a funny color as well. <laughs> I'm it's, so glad you kept this for the last thing of the podcast. So oh, I feel it. like we need to talk about it because I remember the first time I. I noticed that and I I thought I had a really severe health problem going on. I had no <laughs> idea that beetroots could do that. So yeah, no, it is quite normal for uh your your poo to turn red and your wee to go a little bit red as well. Do you know what's really funny about this? It's not until fairly recently that I started looking back and <laughs> seeing what was I don't generally look in the toilet bowl after I've finished doing my business there. At the risk of too much information, you mm. should always look. It is a really <laughs> always look. No, seriously, it's a really good indicator of your health. Yeah. And, yep. Well, so I've been told the doctors keep telling me to do that now. Yep. So um, that is good to know. Yeah. Yeah. For all the, the other other interesting thing is, I found that you can use um, you can dry out beetroot or just buy beetroot powder and use it as a hair dye. As a hair dye. Yeah. Yeah. In case you want red hair, you know. I did not know you could do that. That's really cool. I know that people use the the you know the the color in beetroot to dye clothing. Yep. Uh, but I didn't realize that they did it for that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, nice. It's a, a, quite a, a versatile plant. It is. It's, it is very versatile. Look, I, I've really enjoyed talking about beetroot today. Yeah. I actually feel like I'm going to go and buy some uh, the next time I venture out of the house uh, to get shopping and avoid people. <laughs> go, go and do some ISO shopping. That's it. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not really like that, to be honest. There's a lot of people still going to the shops and all at the same time, but well, they're doing the right thing, which is good. Unfortunately, I had to go to the shops yesterday because we needed some some stuff to get through the, the long weekend and typical, you know, uh, Good Friday. Well, it was Thursday, but the, the Good Friday rush, mm-hmm. uh, the shops were packed with people. Mm. Just, just, you know, it didn't stop. Didn't stop the crowds. Yeah, yeah that's a shame. But uh, I, I've no doubt that this will all end fairly soon. We'll probably be doing a few more podcasts from the isolation of our own houses. But uh, we'll still. Oh, pardon me. We'll still be covering off um, all the different vegetables and and making sure that uh, we're bringing some really good information to people so they can keep healthy through this whole situation. Yeah, hopefully you guys out there learned something today and um, if anything, it uh, got you through a, an hour odd of uh, ISO boredom. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if uh, our voices are a bit droning, but uh, oh no, maybe that's just me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just your voice, mate. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate the support. Um, if you could do us a favor and jump onto uh, the Apple iTunes where we've got our podcast, chuck us a rating. Um, it would really help us with getting the word out about the podcast. Um, you can get us on Spotify as well. If you do want to send us any information, any funny stories that you have about particular vegetables, if you've done anything weird with beetroot, um, then please let us know. Uh, you can email us at hello at messyveggies.com. And uh, until next week, uh, do yourself a favor and eat more plants. Thank you.
Thank you.